Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Hello. I hope you enjoyed that. It was a bit of an exciting start because we want to encourage everyone that when we talk about stepping up to the plate, that we're not asking you to do something that we hope you're going to fail at. We want you at the end to have that victory experience at the end because we know that it is this kind of stuff that you're all made of we have been told that we're not and experiences have dealt us some blows that make us feel uh, that we're not uh, able or not skilled enough but actually deep down we are and uh, I hope that's encouraged you um it's lovely to be back and I want to thank the team for carrying the load while we've been away. I've loved what I've seen, I've enjoyed it and uh, we, we only ever want to build on what's gone before. So tonight we really felt that we could build on this whole idea of inspiration and um, you know what we said this last few weeks is to inspire means to be breathed into uh, by listening to the stories of others, connecting with other people and encouraging us to step up and take control or responsibility what we become in life. Now, I know some of you, uh, even this week, have had to face things that you have not wanted to face at all. We're really sad with Jean over the loss of a, uh, a great grandson. No, it's your grandson, sorry, your grandson. And, uh, you know, there's um, uh, Claire's granddad who's... I uh, had to go into hospital. There's various things that are happening that you can't take this away. It's, it's happening. Um, but what we do believe that we can be empowered to step up and face it with uh, a power that there are those who might not have that. And we want to encourage you that it's there for you. So I am someone who's uh, quite easily inspired I can look at a gnarled tree that's, you know, just rugged <laughs> in, in the forest and I go into sort of ecstasy over this tree and people think I'm quite stupid but I really do get excited and I once told you the story that I picked up something off the ground that I thought was a gnarled piece of wood and it was actually a piece of dog muck and I've told you that before but that gives you insight into how I can be actually quite pleased at things uh, that I think, you know, oh, that looks interesting. You know, and later I find out, you know, it wasn't what I thought it was. But anyway, um, this week I have been inspired by two stories. I, I, I've been inspired by more than that, but two particular stories that just came up on my Facebook post. And uh, one uh, was a story uh, about uh, a guy uh, called Victor... Frankel, and he was actually a survivor of the Auschwitz uh, concentration camp. And another story was of Gary Rhodes, the celebrity chef who sadly died on 
Tuesday this week. Now, they seem to be pulled apart in the type of story they are, but actually there is a common denominator. And it seems to be adversity. Uh, Viktor Frankl, he realised that in order to survive the concentration camp, one had to have what he called an inner hold. Because if a person didn't have it, they actually could be dead within a couple of days. Now you think, that's horrendous, isn't it? But the, the, the terrible ordeal that people had to face, if there wasn't something inside them that held them, uh, they were very short, short-lived. And uh, this inner hold that Frankl was talking about was the why of life. And it's interesting that he quoted a powerful phrase that I think it's pronounced Nietzsche once said, the philosopher. He said, he who has a why can bear almost any how. Now, that's a powerful thing. If you have a, a why in your life, you can bear almost any how. And he recognised that those who lived to help others with an idea in their minds how they would affect the future, they were the ones that survived. And he said, every man everywhere is confronted with fate, with the chance of achieving something through his own suffering. That's quite powerful, isn't it? Now there's the challenge, because none of us want to suffer. And I agree, I wouldn't choose it. But it's whether during that suffering that we're confronted with, he said we could turn our tragedies into triumphs. Now, I like the sound of that. And that's what he's talking about, this inner hold. What a guy. Um, in reality, I don't think that I can comprehend the sort of suffering that went on in the Holocaust. Uh, when you look at the pictures, it's particularly daunting. And we wouldn't wish that on anybody. Now, Gary Rhodes, on the other hand, and that's why I say it's a bit of a, a weird contrasting story. He said that this, his future was sealed at six years old when his dad ran off with the neighbour and he stepped up to feed the family. <laughs> that's quite a heading of a newspaper article. And it says this, his mum, being left with nothing, had to work long hours to pay the bills but instead of wailing about the unfairness of life, Gary stepped up to be the man of the house for his mum and his three other siblings. He not only picked his brother and sister up from school, but he put his, aside his desire to be a policeman or a racing driver and became the family cook. By 13, he had perfected the Sunday roast with lemon sponge pudding for afters. Now, that seems such a contrasting story to talking about Viktor Frankl. But what you've got in common there was the fact that they had to step up in a situation. So this six Michelin star chef, author of 20 books and an OBE, only wanted to be remembered by the words he could cook. It's not lovely. And in his own words, he felt he had done all right in life. But how did this come about? With my father gone, it made me so much stronger. When I look back, I realise I had quite a responsible head on young shoulders. So while his mates were off playing football in the park or bunking off school, he was busy keeping house and embracing all the extra jobs his mum asked him to do. When his mum... 
uh, going out to work, told him to turn on the washing machine. He made sure that when she came home, it was not only washed, but it was sorted and folded. He said, I wanted to impress and do more than was expected. This became his philosophy for life, and to this day, his work ethic and self-control were legendary. So this is the question tonight. Are we only inspired or feel able to step up when we are faced with adversity? Does adversity create the why for our survival? It could be said that without adversity, we are not motivated to do more than is expected. Hardships seem to have the potential to drive us the way freedom and ease does not. Maybe that is why religion became so powerful. It became, I can't see, um, it created the hardship that was missing, the angry God that had to be pleased, which forced us all to step up. Can we get to a place where we are driven by love to go beyond what is expected? Or do we insist on adversity? Can we step up without a crisis being the driving force? Viktor Frankl said, it didn't really matter what we expected from life, but rather what life expected from us. Now that is profound. The question is, what do any of us think that life actually expects of us? And we have a great expectation of what life should be delivering for us. So recently, I've been watching the third season of The Crown. I don't know whether any of you have watched the other two uh, seasons. But Queen Elizabeth, in one scene, is talking about the fact that she was never meant to be queen. But because of a series of events, this was now her duty to outwork and sometimes we find ourselves in situations that we did not ask for. And many times we feel resentment because of it. In this next clip taken from the film, The King's Speech, we go a little further back in the royal story. We see someone, Prince George, who is actually Elizabeth's father, who through no desire of his own is called to step up to a role he had not envisaged or been trained for and was sadly without the skill that was required. Prince Edward had, whether rightly or wrongly, abdicated his responsibility, leaving his brother George, who had a speech difficulty, having to step up into a role that demanded speech. Prince, sorry, the engagement of a speech therapist to help him in his plight is interesting, as they come to the understanding that neither of them are qualified for the roles required, but rather than focusing on what they couldn't do, they'd each step up to help achieve the goals required. Tonight, we can all find that inner hold that Viktor Frankl talked about. It's an attitude that motivates us to step up to the plate in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, because we are not only living from the concept of what we expect from life, but from what life expects from us. Thanks, guys. It's good to be back. Love, love and prayers to uh, all those who can't be here tonight and uh, will be watching us online. Um, yeah, it seems with the, uh, the Salt Lake thing, every time we think 
we might be done and ready to pull out that um, something that one cannot deny is divinely, ridiculously, connectively inspired occurs, so we carry on. So we'll keep you updated as, as we can. Um, been a strange period, you know, I, I, I thought we'd been back longer than Wednesday. We got back on Wednesday. I was convinced we'd been back for a couple of weeks. Um, I think that's because of um, so much that's been happening that I think actually ties in a little bit to, uh, to tonight. You know, we, as we went away, we, we buried dear old Barbara Bradley um, the day that I went across to, to Leeds to fly out. And, um, you know, then, of course, we, we come back to uh, uh, Claire's granddad, Jim, who, um, you know, has, has got a pretty serious cancer. And, um, you know, love and prayers are with you guys for the difficulty. And then dear Jean Potter there, whose um, grandson Simon sadly passed away from the cancer that he's been uh, suffering from down in rugby. And then we just had Connie had some pretty serious surgery before we left and uh, also had Riley had some surgery on Wednesday. Uh, and then, of course, there's the London Bridge attack where these two people sadly lost their life to the crazy guy with the knife and, and uh, you know, other people injured. And then, you know, you put on that things like Chris said, the, uh, you know, the passing of Gary Rhodes, which you might not think, how does that affect us? But these are all things that when you, you tie them together, that there's a little string that goes... Um, that goes through them. Also this week, you know, somebody, Chris and I, used to watch every New Year's Eve, which is Clive James, the Australian broadcaster who lived here for many years, um, also died. And I'll make a quote from him uh, later. Now, Chris read the, the, the write-up of, um, of Gary Rhodes and how, you know, what started his journey was was, you know, as a six-year-old when his, his dad just walked out and him and his family were left alone. And you heard that wonderful thing how, and it's happened with other families how at 13 years old, he was taking his siblings to school and bringing them home and cooking dinner for them. And, um, and what he said at the end of that, you know, I wanted to impress and do more than expected. And I think, you know, for us, the whole idea of stepping up is, is the idea of doing more than expected, but there are a few problems with that, particularly in the kind of church that we are and the kind of belief system that we have, which I'll run into as we go through the night. Because what do we really mean by stepping up? When we say stepping up, what, what do we mean by stepping up? And, and, and when, is, when is stepping up actually stepping up? Or, or when is it a push rather than a step? You know, the, the, the reason we are, quote, stepping up actually is not to do with stepping up at all. It's to do with the pressures of life that have pushed us into a situation that maybe we didn't want or we didn't like, but we find ourselves there. You know, just like, you know, with Gary Rhodes, his father walked out. There was a push there with Viktor Frankl, who Chris mentioned, who's surviving a concentration camp. There's a bit of a push there when you've got to survive a concentration camp. You know, King George VI, who was on the video there, was forced to be king, didn't want to be king, should not have been king, but was forced to be king. You could throw into that Elizabeth, our own queen, should not be queen, but she is because of a circumstance that pushed it that way. And in all this, it means one has to step up, 
But there's also Lionel Logue, who was the speech therapist talking to King George there, who was ridiculed and rejected because he had no academic qualifications. I don't know if you noticed the role that anger played. And this is actually, actually true. That Did you notice that when anger came into the equation, King George no longer stammered? And it's often amazing what, what will happen in the process of anger and the release of anger that we can't, we can't accommodate just in normality. And somehow we, we seem to find something in our anger and in our, and in our angst at people that we often don't find outside of that. But the key is to learning to find it outside of that so we don't have to be angry to feel okay. So one, one thing is clear that all our examples are shaped by one thing, and that is adversity. And there's no doubt that the fires of adversity will either melt you or forge you. <laughs> See, when, when you're stuck in a fire, you know, it either melts or forges. I, I would like to think that the fires of our own adversity, because, you know, w- one, thing, one thing is absolutely true, that, that, that we... We all have an adversity of some kind in our life and, and so things that we wrestle with in our thinking and in our, and in our belief. But, um, you know, the question is, is the fires of adversity going to melt you or forge you? Because, because depending on your response, this will depend on your response to the fire. But I'd also like to throw something else in there and it will depend on whose hands you place yourself in. This is where, for me, the, the spiritual side of this comes in. It's where the God side comes in. It's where the, where the beyond our own efforts, we place our hand, ourselves into the hands of someone, into the hands of capability. You know, one of the last phrases of Jesus when he was dying on the cross was, into your hands I commit my spirit. Because those fires of adversity were forging him, so it wasn't just a matter of his response to the fire of crucifixion, but also what played a part to that was whose hands that he placed himself in. I I would like to suggest to you that there is a great role for you placing yourself in the hands of the divine, in the hands of God, in all of your response to the fires of adversity. See, the the psychology of of stepping up is is a really interesting one. Um, that's connected in some ways to the elements associated with stepping out. And maybe you can't step up unless you step out, whether that be physical or mental. And there's, there's been a little, a little portion of, um, of, of, of the Bible that I've been obsessed with for several months. Um, and I think for a reason, and it, it just roots itself around one verse in the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 12, where it talks about this patriarch Abraham. And, uh, you know, what the story about that and around that is, is, is irrelevant in, the, in, in, in a sense of what you need to know. It's the phrase that matters. It says, says, the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. Go somewhere, but in order to do that, you're going to have to leave. Now, now, the reason I've been obsessed with this is because those three things, country people, father's house, uh, forget his country being, uh, being what is current day Iraq, which was old time, Mesop- uh, uh, old time 
Babylonian Empire, Ur of the Chaldees, you know, forget it being being a, a tribe of that part or or his father, um, I forget his father's name now, it's gone from me. Doesn't matter anyway. But 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 the point is, it, 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 this reference takes us beyond that. It's not about the characters and the places. It's about the principle that I think is important because the three things he's called to leave represent three circles or levels of influence in his life. And as they decrease in size, country, people, father's house, they increase in difficulty. Let me put it this way, just very briefly before I finish this little phase of my talk. Country means the widest level of group think that you just took on board because that's what you belong to. We all have a kind of a, a general sense of a group think of the widest influence that we have. People is how your tribe thinks and taught you to think. Now you might say, oh, I've never been religious, I've never been in a denomination, I've ever been. Listen, we're all tribal. We're all tribal and we all find our tribe and then we adopt the thought process of that tribe and it teaches us how to think. So it said you've got to leave the widest influence. Then if you can do that, you've got to deal with the tribal influence, the things that you hang on to that you think my tribe, my people, my thinkers do this. And then of course Father's house is the most intimate of the relationships that shaped our identity for this reason, that whatever you interpret Father's house to be, it's the thing from which you draw the greatest level of security and identity. And, and the truth is, what it's giving us is a security and identity that is not releasing us to be who we were always supposed to be. So sometimes we don't step up even for the very reasons that we feel too secure and too identified in the role that we have adopted and the place that we are existing. So my point being with this, that they represent everything we lean on for our security and identity and are also the things that shape our concept of God. And you have to leave all three to fully gain the benefit of what lies ahead. So my point to finish this little part of the talk is, is that for all the influences and, and impacts and securities and familiarities that we've had, until you step out, you will never step up. So did you notice the two elements I talked to you about? We're heavily involved in the process of this guy, how you deal with the fire and whose hands you place yourself in. How you deal with the fire and whose hands you place yourself in. The fire will either melt you or the fire will forge you. Everything that we've looked at tonight has had the fires of adversity somewhere. I, like, I said I would mention a quote of Clive James, the late broadcaster who died this week. Clive James said, the problem with fact is they stop us thinking. And you see how we deal with, like that guy, how we deal with the facts. The facts can stop you thinking because you accept the facts. Facts are not there to be accepted. Facts are actually there to be challenged. And when you challenge the facts and it causes you to think, then how you deal with the fire will be completely different. I, I quote again what Chris read from Walter Frankel uh, and the... Uh, the Victor Frankl and the concentration camp, it didn't really matter what we expected from life, but rather what life expected from us. The stepping through 
to a new place. So all of these things driven by crisis and adversity of one kind of another, and we could argue that none of us are, are free from that. And my sadness is, as, as I talk to you, is that religion artificially creates the elements that drive the human psyche to step up. And then we step up in the wrong way, and then we get wounded and hurt and bruised. You know, interestingly, that's what advertising does to us. I hope you understand that. Advertising actually creates in all of us crisis and adversity because the motivators are there of guilt, fear, shame, loss, punishment, reward, fear of missing out. These are all the things that we have tried to eradicate from our belief system and the gospel that we preach in this house, to take those things away because freedom carries its own set of problems with it. And one of the problems of freedom is because we don't feel any guilt, any fear, any shame, any loss, any sense of punishment, any idea that we're not getting the reward or fear of missing out, it can make it so we don't step up beyond where we are because we become familiar and comfortable and then we never leave country people father's house to step into where we should be. There's stuff I could say tonight, but I'm not going to say it. I'll leave that for another time. The great danger in all of us is that the healing and freedom that we enjoy can make us actually step back instead of stepping out and stepping up and in so doing limit the impact of our own lives that they could have beyond ourselves for the good of all humanity. I want you to realise tonight that in the challenge of all of this, the issue of stepping up is how are you going to deal with the fire and whose hands are you going to place yourself in? If you will take that step, you will find that you come out of the fire forged into something wonderful, not destroyed by the fire, and you will find that the hands that you place yourself in are hands that can be trusted because they've helped to bring you to that place of wholeness tonight. So I would like you to place your hand, yourself in the hands of the divine, in the hands of God, as well as saying, I'm going to step up because as Elle said wonderfully in our little video, you have to make a decision to take responsibility as to how you respond to the fire of adversity in your life so that what it will do is make you and not break you. It will forge you and not destroy you and you'll come out the other end like that guy because he will, you will be fixed and that's where I want you to be tonight. So let me just pray a little prayer over you. Father in Jesus name, I pray as we are in your presence that we will not only take a responsibility for who we are and for where we are, but we make a commitment tonight that the fires will not, will not destroy us, but the fire will forge us because we choose to place ourselves in your capable hands, those hands of love, so that things like fear and intimidation and, and threat and condemnation are not shaping us, but in our freedom we respond so that we can step out and we can and step up and be all that we need to be for ourselves, for our family, for others, and for the wider world at large, so that as you taught us to pray, your kingdom will come in great power, and our lives not only will be touched, but we will be the lives through which others are touched, because we've stepped up and we've stepped out, and we have put our lives into capable hands in our positive response to the fires of those adversities. We receive this today and pray we'll make the difference in Jesus' name. Thanks 
for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash QChurchYork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.